On this episode of The Wellward Way Show, we teach our audience the top three tips on how to not get swindled when choosing a regenerative medicine provider for their orthopedic pain. Welcome to The Wellward Way Podcast, where we empower our community by demystifying pain, both physical and emotional, to give you the tools that you need for optimal health. Hi, I'm Dr. Donish, the Medical Director of Wellward Medical here in Lexington, Kentucky, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. James Escaloni. Hey. Who is our movement specialist and physical therapist, quote-unquote extraordinaire. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're talking about a topic that, because of the novelty of regenerative medicine, there is a capital market for it as well as a scientific market for it, meaning areas that offer these services more as a capitalist perspective on medicine or a scientific perspective of really evolving the science and building something that has long-term viability. If you're not familiar with regenerative medicine, it's the science of how our body responds to injury and the mechanisms it uses to repair itself and why, as we age, we have diminishing ability to do so, but how science can utilize different tools to amplify or accelerate or augment the ability to repair when injuries are not getting better. Now, I'm coming from a unique standpoint for this conversation because for the very first time, I had PRP actually on my own knee. And so it's made me really consider that I am lucky that I actually had Dr. Donish here do this to my knee. But it also was illustrating that I had 10 years of pain that was not getting better despite me doing all the right things until we started to use regenerative medicine strategies. And you can watch our old YouTube videos for how the inside of my knee got taken care of. And this was most recently the outside of my knee. And because I trusted Dr. Donish, I know that I'm in good hands, but it got me thinking, what about people who are not lucky enough to be in my situation? How do we get to teach other people that they need to choose the right practitioner and they're not just going to get swindled when it comes down to somebody just showing flashy charts or something along those lines? So Dr. Donish, what thoughts do you have on how we can educate our audience? Anytime in medicine, There's a novelty or something that's new, and it's not yet adopted by the mainstream or it's not covered by insurance. There's a capital market for it. People want the knowledge that's already in existence, even though it's not yet widespread to the point where everybody's applying it and using it, so that there's a capital market that gets created for it. Now, choosing somebody who is going to provide the right kind of care really boils down to three different perspectives. The first is what kind of training they have. The second is what kind of product that they're going to use. And the third is, are they conscious of how these products work in applying them in a holistic rehabilitative model? Starting with the first one, the training. The way I was trained to address pain was you find an area that hurts, you inject it with some steroids, and you call it a day. (laughs) And first two, three years of my career, when I was practicing independently, that's exactly how I practiced. And it was a very discouraging, demoralizing style of practice because the most that I was doing was putting a Band-Aid on a problem and waiting for about two, three weeks for that patient to return to keep applying the same Band-Aid over and over and over. I realized that I'm not healing anybody. I'm just simply minimizing the impact and watching the problem decay further and further and further. Wow. I thought to myself, 
I've got a great set of tools here. I can take a payload of medication and deliver it literally anywhere in the body with pinpoint accuracy. Maybe it's the medication that I'm injecting that's inaccurate. And once I started to open that Pandora's box, I realized how many of the things that I was taught are maybe not inaccurate, but just coming at it from a very different perspective. And that perspective is one of a mechanic as opposed to a biologist. The, reason, the distinction is that our machines, our cars, our washing machine, these things erode the more you use it. The gears will hit against each other every now and then being just a slightly bit off and over time it causes an erosion. Biology doesn't behave in the same way. The more you use it, the more it strengthens. And so if you come at it from that perspective, using a steroid or an anti-inflammatory is working against the body's ability to adapt and evolve and get stronger. Uh, so it didn't make sense. But if we think of inflammation as the signaling cascade that causes the body to get stronger, then we can use inflammation as a molding tool. And that field of medicine is called prolotherapy. It's using things that proliferate or leverage inflammation to build capacity and to build strength. So whenever I advise somebody in finding a regenerative medicine practitioner, what I'm really telling them is find somebody who learned the science from a prolotherapist perspective. If you see prolotherapy marketed on somebody's website, they're probably a legitimate regenerative practitioner. But a lot of people have taken regenerative medicine and replaced the techniques used with steroids with just a chemical we call orthobiologic or some derivative of the body that creates that inflammatory process, platelet-rich plasma, bone marrow aspirate, or what was colloquially called stem cell therapy. These are th things that will leverage that inflammatory signal cascade to mold the body. But it's not as simple as just doing a single shot into a knee to resolve knee arthritis. Knee arthritis, to, to address it, you really need to understand the biomechanics of how that arthritic joint evolved and how to reverse engineer that process. You know, I really appreciate, especially because of my recent experience, what you just said, it's not hard to take a needle full of liquid and shove it into a joint. I mean, I can do that, <laughs> and I've had minimal training there. But you discreetly were tapping on the insertion and origin of my ACL, which I didn't realize I had minor tears in it. You're able to get on the insertion of these tiny coronary ligaments and part of my meniscus and my LCL. I mean, you've got to be pretty skilled to be able to hit those spots, especially with the right combination of the right type of medicine to make that thing heal correctly. And to be able to have that done versus just squirting something in a joint, that's the difference between an expert and somebody who's just playing expert. It's like changing the oil on your car with your eyes closed. <laughs> you have to be able to somehow know where you're directing that. And that takes a combination of skills. In our practice, we use palpation, meaning I touch the body to get a sense of where the anatomy is. Then I... I combine that with ultrasound imaging so I can see where all the soft tissues are, like 
you can't see an ACL or that's a ligament in the knee or a medial collateral ligament, another ligament in the knee. You can't see these structures under x-ray. You can't feel them. So ultrasound helps to amplify that. And on the flip side, you can't really get a good sense of bone or the three dimensions of bone without an x-ray. So it's combining all of those visualizing techniques in addition to uh, my hands being on the patient, moving their body around to get a sense of where the pivot points are. And if the pivot point is here, then the ligament must be attaching here and here. I can check it, visualize it with the ultrasound. So it, it, isn't, it really isn't as simple as just injecting it directly into the knee and being happy with it. The most that I can get out of that is something akin to uh, a steroid injection because we're modifying the inflammatory medium within a joint, but I'm not getting sustainable effect because that comes through understanding the biomechanics of that joint. Now, if you have like a ligament, let's take a, my ACL again, and it's just floating in a little bit of PRP, um, how is the response for that going to be versus actually penetrating, yeah, penetrating yeah. that with all of the different chemicals? So I don't think anybody's looked directly at the difference in outcomes, but I can tell you from my own experience, when I've bathed a ligament in PRP or an orthobiologic or some kind of a proliferative medium versus when I've created some damage or pecking within that ligament in order for the body to recognize the injury and absorb some of the chemicals that are in that area intended to provoke that healing, the difference is pretty profound. Accuracy of where you put these products is makes a big, big difference. The struggle that I have is this is not an intuitive aspect of application for most people. They think, well, if somebody is cl clinically giving me a shot, they're going to put it in the, in the right place. Uh, but it's not as simple as that. It really comes through a substantial amount of training and experience. That's why I suggest people, if WellWord is not accessible to you, or if you're not in the geography, then at least find somebody who has had prolotherapy training or has gone through one of the recognized institutions like uh, the Hackett Hemwell Patterson Foundation, the Orthobiologic Institute, the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine, these are all the Interventional Orthopedic Foundation. These are all reputable organizations that provide training on how to use orthobiologics, PRP, bone marrow aspirate, fat adipose stem cells. Like These are all products that they teach you how to use in an effective manner. It's not as simple as just saying, deciding one day, I'm just going to switch what I'm doing and offer these services because I can generate more cash from it. I guess that's the difference between a good practitioner and a business practitioner then, huh? I don't fault people for trying to set up a capitalist <laughs> model of medicine. But when I was an undergrad, I studied economics and healthcare economics more specifically, noting that a capitalist market kind of breaks down when you look at medicine because a capitalist market requires parity of knowledge or understanding, meaning that the buyer and the seller both have an understanding of the product that they're trading. When it comes to healthcare, that equity doesn't really exist. So people are really dependent on their clinician to guide them appropriately. 
And that introduces a lot of what in economics is called moral hazard. Meaning that if I have, if I stand to drive a profit from a decision that I have greater knowledge on, there's an inequity in, in that transfer of knowledge and the value of that knowledge. Capitalist markets are kind of a questionable area when it comes to healthcare. With that said, without getting too political about it, I just try to advise people what I would want my own family to have access to. And that means being knowledgeable, knowledgeable about who is the practitioner giving you the treatment that you're investing into with your own hard-earned cash. And that makes a lot of sense. Are there certain uh, practitioners you generally recommend, like uh, certain physicians or certain training? Absolutely. Physicians that come from a background of physical medicine rehabilitation, sports medicine, anesthesia pain. These are folks who have a basic skill set who can deliver this type of treatment. They would need some extra training. And that's why I would ask, where did you learn your technique? Do you understand prolotherapy and how that's applied? And how orthobiologics like PRP, bone marrow aspirin, these things will augment prolotherapy technique, not replace steroid-based injection techniques. That's actually going to be a lot of helpful for, very helpful for all the people that we've got in the audience. All right. So tell me a little bit about uh, the different types of orthobiologics that are out there. There are certain ones that seem to be more efficacious for certain conditions or some things to look out for? Yeah. The second point that we want to make is the type of product that's used in your regenerative medicine injections. And there's a large list to choose from. I mean, prolotherapy agents is the most basic. Second tier would be platelet-rich plasma, but not all platelet-rich plasmas made the same. And then the third tier would be something that has cells in it, like bone marrow aspirate or adipose fat tissue. Some people will label the placental-derived products as stem cells, but there currently is no commercially available product that has live cells in it. Uh, by FDA standards, if it has a live cell that's not your own body, parts of your own body, it needs significant FDA clearance before it can be labeled as usable within the body. So all of these off-the-shelf stem cell products are a misnomer. They're not stem cells. They're just high concentration of growth factors. So if you're paying for this kind of service, it's really critical to have that full information. We see patients all the time who even go out of the country in order to get quote-unquote stem cell therapies. And when, when I delve into what they actually had done, it's oftentimes one of these placental-derived products that they have that you could get here as well in the U.S. A true stem cell uh, injection is still not cleared by the FDA because that means taking cells, taking your own cells, harvesting them, incubating them, growing them to higher numbers, and then putting that back in. And that's still a process that's not FDA cleared. So I guess that's why we emphasize a little bit more of a bone marrow aspirate concentrate uh, at our practice or even 
some of the person's own fat cells right. as opposed to some sort of product that we just picked up over at uh, Kroger or something like that. <laughs> no, you can't get them at Kroger, James. But you're right. We, we focus more on autologous, meaning they're self-derived. They're a product, they're cells that exist within your own body. Uh, therefore, the harms of that are very minimal. We're just taking those cells and applying them in higher concentrations than your body would normally be able to concentrate into an area of injury. Whenever there's an injury, that inflammatory cascade is a signaling mechanism that draws those cells into the area. But because there's a shortage of cells in that vicinity, as we age, we're, we're producing less and less of those cells, but we have them in higher concentrations in various parts of the body, like in our fat, in our bone marrow. And we can harvest those in relatively painless ways concentrate them in the lab and then put those back in the body and that's that's there's no fda regulation that that says there's anything wrong with that as long as we're not manipulating those cells growing those cells or changing them in any way we're just using your own body cells and concentrating them uh in in places that otherwise would be hard for your body to concentrate I guess it also makes sense that there's going to be less chances of complications if it's just taking right. part of your own body and putting it into a different part of your own body. Yeah, and I don't want to scare people away from these kinds of therapies, but of course there are risks and complications as there are with anything else. It's just that when you're using your own cell line, you have fewer risks of infections and rejection as opposed to using cells outside of your body. The, the rejection rates are low because most of these cells are transferable, like when, when we're talking about placental-derived cell lines. But there have been some cases of infections and things that do warrant some degree of caution. It, and it's not to say we don't use those products. There's a role for those products. But again, a lot of practices that I see offering quote-unquote stem cell therapies are using these off-the-shelf products indiscriminately as opposed to really understanding the biology of the person, the biology of the injury or the, the joint, and what product is going to be ideal in this scenario. That takes more skill set than just a, a formulaic approach. Um, I guess that's why there's large conferences just about that. Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've invested years of time and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands in, in additional training beyond my medical school. And that's pretty good considering you went to Johns Hopkins. Yeah. All right. So tell me about how taking in the health of the individual and how rehabilitation might be something somebody needs to consider as part of their orthobiologic selection. The, that's the third pillar is if you have an orthobiologic done, uh, procedure done, this is kind of like somebody has planted a seed and they've never given you instructions about how much water, how much sunlight, what kind of climate or soil you need to, to plant this in. So uh, a solid regenerative medicine practice will have more than just what we call needle jockey or somebody who just does injections all day. It takes a comprehensive approach as far as understanding what the rehabilitative needs are, what the needs of your body are, the nutritional needs, what your baseline constitution is like, are you healthy enough to really justify the use of these kinds of therapies? If you're not, 
then it's going to take some more work, some additional work to get to a point of where you're not going to be wasting resources in getting a regenerative medicine procedure done. And if you're going to get, if you're going to get a procedure done, then it's worth taking the time to do the appropriate rehabilitation so you can take those seedlings and really grow them into a forest. Now, as a physical therapist, I especially appreciate that because would you have a rotator cuff repair without having some sort of substantial rehab to learn how to use that muscle or to help healing? Exactly. And and that's where a lot of the uh, naysayers really don't don't understand it is that this is not a simple one-size-fits-all solution. It's a comprehensive process that uh, requires a thorough understanding of not just the cells, the technique, but also the rehabilitative process. This is why we consider WellWord more than just a clinic. It's really a new direction in healthcare, hence the name WellWord. Our goal is to optimize health as much as it is to cure the disease presenting in the first place. So whether it's a minor ache or a larger problem, we can be the first step down recovering this as opposed to leading you down a path towards arthritis. So if you found this to be helpful, find us on our YouTube page or call our patient navigator at 859-275-4878 or 275-HERT, and we'll get you scheduled for the care that you deserve. For all of us here at Wellward, I'll see you next time. I'm Dr. Donish. And I'm Dr. Escaloni. See you later.